Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome back to Sports Day with Badge and Sats. For Kia, the all-new Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day with Badge and Sats. Uh, it's been a great show so far and uh, a lot happening in the game of rugby league like it does each and every week. And a man who's got probably, um, some would say, a very envious of his role. Some are saying <laughs> that they're, they're glad that he's got it. And uh, the man who basically oversees everything in the rugby league uh, operations and department and, and on field is uh, Graham Andersley. Um, and he's joining us on Sports Day. How are you, Graham? I'm good, thanks, boys. How are we? Yeah, good. NRL head of football elite competitions. Have you got, actually got that on a like at the front of your desk on a well? well label it's or? funny you should mention that because um, we've recently had uh, title changes. <laughs> um, so you'll be very pleased to know, and this is uh, you know this is an exclusive to your show, so earth-shattering news. Uh, I'm now the executive general manager of elite football. Executive general manager. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know about what. Uh, can I just tell you that uh, the one thing I can clarify right up front is that it did not come with a pay increase. Well, that was my next question. <laughs> so you're on the front foot like you always are, Graham. You you do a tremendous job, and um, each and every week you're receiving phone calls from coaches and CEOs, whatever it may be, uh, that's happening mm-hmm. on the field um, the week before. I suppose what has happened over the weekend is this what they call the loophole in the captain's challenge, or really a tactic by clubs. They're deliberately holding down mm. players to give away a penalty so they can try and challenge what has happened in that in that movement of play. Now, from a layman's term, can you explain to the to the fans and what the clubs and maybe players aren't understanding about the captain's challenge? Yeah, look, I, I mean, it's a good question because uh, it's one of these things that people see uh, captain's challenges take place and they see the video um, replay and the bunker will make a decision to either uphold or... or deny the captain's challenge but what we've seen creeping into the game and it's a highly risky strategy as we saw last weekend that uh, there'll be a change of possession or something will happen and uh, the team will believe there's been a knock-on or, or some other infringement um, just before the, the play the ball uh, and what they'll try and do so that they can actually mount a challenge is force the referee to stop the game by committing an, a different infringement. So, for example, holding down in the ruck or knocking the ball out of the player's hands as he gets up or anything else you can think of that's illegal in the play the ball uh, so that uh, they can then challenge uh, and have the bunker look for that prior uh, infringement that they think has taken place. Uh, but the risky element of that is, firstly, they're not entitled uh, to challenge something like holding down because that's just a judgment call by the, by the by the referee. And we saw that handled inconsistently by a couple of referees last weekend. But secondly, and probably more importantly, from a player's perspective and a team perspective, is that they risk 
being sent to the sin bin for the ruck infringement. Mm. So in order to try and get a captain's challenge away, they could find themselves in the sin bin for holding down in the ruck. And that's exactly what we saw on the weekend. So uh, while they might think that they can kind of game the system a little bit to get a, to get a, a decision reviewed, uh, they could also find that they're spending time on the sideline. Is is it? Do you think, Graham, that it's um, part uh, tactic by the players and perhaps part um, a misunderstanding of the rules? Have you, have you had to reinforce to the clubs and the players exactly what the rules around the captain's challenge are? Uh, well, not really. I mean, it's not a new uh, innovation. I mean, it's been around for a couple of years now. And, and the players, I'm going to say the players actually do, the captains do quite a good job when they do challenge. When they challenge legitimately, mm. uh, I think the ratio is running at about 60 or 70% accuracy at the moment in terms of, uh, you know, they know, they know when they think they're, they're in a good position to challenge. It's just these ones where it's not actually the decision that the referee makes at that time. They want to look at something else. So they try to force the stoppage so that can happen. Uh, and that's where the element of risk comes into it. So uh, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the coaches will be onto that and they'll, uh, they'll make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Fingers oh, crossed. Fair enough. Yeah, hopefully. Now, talking about sin bins, uh, plenty more this year for um, compared to the last uh, couple of seasons. Uh, all okay with that? Is that? Are we we understanding why? And was that kind of expected given uh, tweakings to tweaking of the rules? Yeah, look, I think uh, it's probably a little early to tell. We've only had four rounds, and yes, the numbers are up on the same period last year. But when you look at the whole season last year, uh, the average number of sin per round is is actually running about neck and neck. Uh, so uh, you'll recall it was probably thrown a little bit out of kilter last year by um, the post-Magic round period. Uh, but yeah. when you look at the whole season, it's, it's around the same. But uh, look, the referees only use the sin bin where they need to. We don't want players off the field. Uh, they've got to make a judgment call on that. Uh, but there's been no instruction given to them to use the sin bin more. So these are just uh, decisions that they're making based on largely professional fouls uh, that they uh, that they see, and uh, they make that decision. And uh, you know, we review all those, of course, to see whether we think their their uh, decision was appropriate. But uh, the, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's a definite trend of more sin bins at this point. Now, majority of 2022, Graham, we've seen some real close score lines, a couple of blowouts on the weekend, which are expected across the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the penalty, the subtle changes to the rules for this season, the penalty up to the 40-metre line coming out of trouble for sides, which I think is a, is a great change of the rule. Do you think that's played a role uh, in the closer score lines with a stoppage in play and set set pieces? Yeah, I think it's a factor. I don't think it's necessarily the only factor. I, I think also uh, some of the clubs that perhaps didn't adapt quickly enough to the change last year, I think they've maybe spent the off-season uh, trying to make up some of that lost ground. So I, I definitely think that um, we've seen clubs deal with the rule changes better this year. Mm. Uh, but there's no doubt that the, the, the tweak uh, in relation to the penalties inside uh, the 40-metre zone when a team's working the ball off their own line, I think that that has uh, been able to put teams in a better attacking position and uh, so we're not necessarily seeing as much of that momentum being built by the team uh, that has just scored able to force an error when a team's trying to work the ball off their own line and then before you know it they've scored again and again and, and the game's out of reach so uh, I think it's definitely brought some balance back into that. Yeah absolutely and, and you deserve a penalty coming off your line if you've worked hard and the other team 
deliberately gives away yep. any sort of infringement. Now, um, over the weekend, cannonball, hip drops again, starting to enter the play. To get rid of them out of the game, and it annoys me we don't have enough players that have been taught really good low technique defence. And I, I don't think there's a reward for low tackle anymore, which I think is unfortunate. But to get rid of the hip drops and the cannonballs is the only way to sit players on the sideline, Graham, or do you feel as though the NRL will have to start educating coaches around coaching differently? Well, I think all coaches are aware of these um, these types of tackles, and and hopefully they're they're working hard with their players, um, particularly any players that have got a tendency to uh, have this as part of their game to uh, to try and eliminate it. Uh, but from our point of view at the uh, at head office, all we can really do is run a a judicial system that uh, that tries to provide a disincentive for players so that they they do learn. I mean, no player playing the game would would be unaware of uh, hip drops and uh, cannonball tackles um, and certainly they shouldn't be aware uh, or shouldn't be not aware of the damage that they can call and the, the cause and the injury that they can cause. Uh, so, you know, we have to... Our judicial system is designed to protect players on the field. It's not necessarily designed to punish players, but one of the ways you protect them is by providing a disincentive and that disincentive is often a suspension. So we don't want to do that, but uh, we'd just prefer to see these uh, types of tackles eliminated from the game. Mm. Just just looking at the, uh, the charge sheet... I'm not looking at it now, but uh, we saw it yesterday... Uh, and, a, and a bunch of fines and, and $1,000 fines. Personally, I don't think it's enough of a disincentive for some players, especially players on, on big bucks. Do you, is that – you're sticking with that? I, I thought we were starting to go the way of uh, – or there was a, a suggestion perhaps a, a percentage of players' salary. So it would be, you know, a guy on, on a lot more money would get a bigger fine. It's, it you know, hurt him just as much. Do you think it's a, it's it's enough, Graham? Do you think that's enough of a disincentive for players not to come up with illegal plays? Well, we've got to put it in some perspective. I, I mean, as you would be aware, we conducted a fairly major review of the judicial system and uh, a new uh, process was implemented uh, literally just before we started round one of the season. Uh, there's there's no doubt that players don't like fines. Uh, the RLPA lobbied fairly heavily for the elimination of fines. Uh, we think they do have a place in our judicial code because if we have a system that just simply uh, suspends players, that robs teams and fans of the opportunity to see those players. But the fines really only come into play with uh, fairly low-grade offences, so fairly minor offences. Uh, there might be some you know, light contact in a high tackle. Uh, we don't want any contact uh, with the head, as we know, but uh, these are... Uh, First offences, and they are low-grade offences, and it's intended to uh, not only make sure that players uh, feel some pain from having committed that offence, but also uh, to allow them to continue playing so that the fans and their teammates aren't uh, uh, robbed of the opportunity to have them have them play. So uh, I, I do think it is uh, it, it does work, but uh, I take your point about the nature of the or the size of the fine, uh, but they are for low-grade offences. Will they, will they increase, and I know you've tweaked the system, um, but will they increase for a player that does the same thing over and over? Will he get bigger fines? Well, once you get into second and third offences, um, you know, you're then starting to look at suspension. Or suspension, so, I got gotcha. uh, th- yeah. These... 
Yeah, so the, these fines are uh, for minor offences. They are offences we don't want to see in the game, but they allow players to continue playing, but hurts them in the hip pocket, which they don't like, uh, and uh, uh, still allows us to get on with the game. Graham, have you started to identify any other little areas uh, that are starting to creep into the game that, as a as a body, you're just keeping an eye on at a distance and and just seeing where it's starting to? Uh, well, evolve? I think uh, probably the only area that's uh, that's created a bit of discussion in recent days is this uh, is the use of the six again by the uh, by the referees when teams aren't working the ball off their own line. So when they're up in, a, in an attacking position and, and you've got the defending team that's defending their own line, I don't think the referees have been quite vigilant enough in enforcing the, the speed of the ruck and the 10 metres in that area. So, you know, we're just going to remind them of some stats around that. It's no crackdown or change in policy or anything like that. I think they just need to be a little more vigilant and where, where appropriate, um, uh, use the six again, uh, as a weapon to, uh, or as a tool to ensure that uh, we can uh, give the attacking team the opportunity that they deserve when they're in that position. So it's, we've kind of moved it from, I think they've focused very well on the penalties when teams are working the ball off their own line. I think we just need to m- maybe ensure that we're also focusing as necessary on uh, teams that are attacking and uh, making sure that they're given the opportunity they deserve. Mm, fair enough. And look, we're only four rounds in. Uh, and on that sort of that same thing, that the flow of the game, what's the feedback from mm. clubs and fans? And I imagine you know you'd, you'd have some some coaches who'd love the way it's going, uh, and others would think it's you know it's just been slowed down a little bit too much. But generally, what's your your feedback been? No, generally speaking, the uh, the coaches are happy that the games are more competitive. We haven't seen anywhere near the same amount of blowouts that we had last year at the same time last year. Uh, you know, it is early days. You're right. I mean, trends can develop over the over the coming months that uh, perhaps are not evident at the moment. But uh, on what we've seen so far, we've seen much closer games. Teams are uh, are in comp- in games for much more. Uh, of the uh, of the 80 minutes, uh, so more competitive, and uh, and you know I haven't had any coaches complaining about that. I mean we, we'll also, although one of the one of the downsides in that is that in more competitive games, every decision by the match officials uh, becomes much more critical and yeah. and goes under the microscope more. So we do see a bit more criticism of referees and uh, individual decisions that they make, but. Across the course of 80 minutes, uh, you know, there are many more things that happen in a game uh, that uh, that ultimately have an impact on the outcome than just one or two arguable referees' decisions. Now, Graham, when you were a referee back in the 60s and 70s and in the 80s, yeah, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, 40s, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, you gave away penalty, <laughs> plenty of these penalties back in the day when you were one of the uh, top-line referees, and that's a differential mm. penalty out of the scrum. Weren't allowed to kick for goal. Mm. Now, as we've mm. seen, you are allowed to in 2022. Why was that decision, which I think was a, a great change, why was that all of a sudden decided? Uh, well, we don't see many differential penalties. I mean, scrums are now you know, not much more than a restart of play. Um, and, you know, that's, that's hard to accept for plenty of the traditionalists in the game who used to see scrums as a contest and a way that you could uh, win possession of the ball. Um, uh, it had much more use, for example, when 
there was unlimited tackles because it was one of the few ways you could get the ball back after you know a team had knocked on or whatever. Um, but now the ball changes uh, hands between each team every you know 40 to 50 seconds, and so a scrum net that needs to be nothing more really than a restart of play. But we tried to uh, we've tried to just tidy them up a little bit. You know they were getting very loose and players were breaking out early, um, and uh, you know it wasn't even at some point. Uh, resembling a scrum. So uh, we, we've just tried to tidy things up a little bit. Yeah, no, I think it's been very well received. Yeah. Uh, next week is another week, or this week is another week, Graham Annesley, for your role uh, in the game. You're always giving with your time. Love your Monday briefings each and every week. I think it's open and transparent. I think the fans and the officials uh, like it as well. Graham Annesley, Executive General Manager of Football Elite Competitions. Thanks for joining us <laughs> on Sports Day. <laughs> Anytime, boys. Thank you. Beauty. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.